For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into Long Shots, the world's number one rated golf betting show here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. I'm Brady Cannon, along with Wes Reynolds. And because it is the week of a major championship, we bring in the third member of the Long Shots crew. Matt Humans is here in studio. He always makes a point to join us for the major championships. And gentlemen, let's begin with a quick look back at the Palmetto Championship. Garrick Higo of South Africa wins it. This is a one-off event that replaced the Canadian Open this year. He earned his fourth Worldwide Tour win and his first on the PGA Tour. He trailed Chesson Hadley by six shots heading into the final round and won it by shooting three under par 68 to finish at 11 under for the championship. Wes, you're familiar with Higo, as the world should be now on this young up-and-comer because you landed on him earlier this season on the European Tour when he won in the Canary Islands. All of just 22 years old is Garrick Higo, and uh, uh, youngest guy to win on the PGA Tour from South Africa since the greatest ever player in South Africa, Gary Player. He did play some college golf actually right here in Las Vegas at UNLV, but now has uh, seven worldwide professional wins, three on the European Tour. I did land on him, as you mentioned, for the Lopasan Open over in the Canary Islands, and didn't have the foresight like Matt Humans did to the right of me in terms of going back to him on kind of a wide open course with not really a lot of rough. And that's what he saw at the Canary Islands. And uh, all of a sudden, Garrick Higo now has a two-year exemption on the PGA Tour. This is a guy that was not yet a member of the PGA Tour. But now he has membership through the 2023 season. Chesson Hadley, of course. Uh, by the way, he did have that lead. Books, uh, as far as I can measure, are not paying out Chesson Hadley tickets. <laughs> 
Bautista <laughs> right. this week, like they did, of course, for John Rahm the week before at the Memorial. So no payout for Chess and Hadley. But it turned into a really good tournament, even though you had kind of not a lot of names on that leaderboard. Bo Van Pelt, first top 10 there in six years, made a late bogey that kind of cost him. Dustin Johnson, of course, made a triple bogey on the 16th. It's like, oh, man, this guy is just sleepwalking. Well, all of a sudden, he was right there off the lead. But it was Garrick Higo that really kept it together. And sometimes when you win a tournament, when you make the least mistakes, and that was Garrick Higo on Sunday. Yeah, you mentioned Dustin Johnson. He finished tied for 10th, his first top 10 finish since February. And he made that triple bogey on the 16th hole on Sunday. He also made a double bogey on the 18th hole on Friday. It was really this just those two holes. Otherwise, he might have won this event. What did you guys think of his form? Is he back, Matt? No, I don't think DJ's back. No, not at all. It's going to take a lot more than that to uh, proclaim the DJ's back. I really think sometimes we saw it with Tiger Woods. When you win the Masters, it makes you a year. And I think it takes the edge off uh, a guy like DJ. Maybe he's starting to come back, uh, Brady. But unless I see him play really well this week at Torrey Pines, I'm not going to say DJ <clears throat> is back. Uh, as far as Garrett Higgo goes, uh, the reason I played him last week was what Wes talked about. His win in the Canary Islands, he, he went 27 under and won by six strokes. And that caught my attention. I knew he was a former UNLV player. And I said, well, I'm going to give this guy a shot. We talked about it last week. That was just going to be one of those long shot type of tournaments where the favorites were DJ and Kepka, And we figured they were going to be disinterested, right, with the U.S. Open on deck. Why, why do DJ and Kepka care about the Palmetto Championship? They don't care necessarily, and I think Kepka cared so little about it. He missed the cut. He even went, said so. Yeah, and wanted to get out to Torrey Pines early. Uh, so the last week was a chance to hunt for long shots, and I just got lucky with Garrett Kigo. I still don't know how he won the tournament, Brady. <laughs> right. Uh, he, he shot 68, 69, 68, 68, and he's six strokes back going into Sunday. He only goes three under and somehow wins without even going to a playoff. It's, it's really hard to fathom when you look at it, but I think it's because of so many other guys at the top kind of choked and they fell like dominoes. Yep. Of course, Matt Eumanns yeah. lands on Garrick Higo for his sixth outright <clears throat> winner of the season. And if you add up all of Wes uh, Reynolds' European Tour wins in total for the Long Shots crew now, that is 14 outright winners in the last 24 weeks, and that's three straight weeks in a row with Kokrak, Cantley, and then Garrick Higo with. Not a bad run. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Matt is kind of turning me into a Euro Tour across the pond specialist here because he has absolutely been nailing it on the PGA Tour this year. But hopefully we can all land on one this week. I yeah. think it's cyclical, Brady. Uh, last year, I think you had the hot hand. You were picking a lot of winners. Two years ago, Wes had the best uh, golf handicapping year I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it really does come in waves. Yeah. And, uh, hey, thankfully, we keep it in the family here with the Long Shots crew one way or another. This is Long Shots, the world's number one rated golf betting show here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. Brady Cannon, Wes Reynolds, and Matt Humans with you as we near ever closer to the 121st United States Open Championship getting underway at Torrey Pines Golf Course in gorgeous La Jolla, California. And it's time to dive in head first. Let's bring in our guest. It is the member guest segment, and we bring in Rick Gaiman, a debutante here on Long Shots. He is the host of the First Cut podcast for CBS. He is also a part of the golf betting panel at Golf Digest. You can follow him online at rickrungood.com and on Twitter at rickrungood. Welcome to the program, Rick. Thank you for joining us. 
Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. We've got uh, quite the event on our hands this week. Yeah, we sure do. And, you know, there's really been a couple of different opinions on how to handicap this event. Can you use the past form for the Farmers Insurance Open in January? And will that translate over to what we have here for the U.S. Open in June? What are your thoughts on this? Did you use some of the uh, same skill sets that you would use at Tory in January? And you think that'll carry over? Or did you switch up the model a little bit for this edition? No, I really like using the results from the Farmers Insurance Open, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Is Torrey Pines is a very consistent golf course. The South Course is always difficult. It always has this thick Kakuya rough. It always has those tricky Poana greens. Of course, they're going to make a switch on number six and play it from uh, instead of a par five into a par four and, and more relative to uh, par. The scores are going to be lower, but it's not that big of a surprise to get thicker rough here, uh, to get to play a little bit more firm and fast. This is generally one of the most consistent golf courses that we get on a yearly basis so i'm happy to dive into past results at the farmers insurance and translate them into how i'm handicapping this week's u.s open rick we usually see this time of year at least i guess the difference obviously the rough is usga standard three to five inches thick and then you do have a little bit thicker air in the summer there off the coast in san diego but to your point about really using the farmer's insurance open obviously you're not going to see the scoring we saw in late january but this has been worked on now for a couple years this was a redesign from reese jones and the fact that uh they've lengthened this course but uh do you really see that much differences in the nuance we know that narrow fairways we know that there's going to be thick rough so really not much of a difference in your opinion in terms of how this is going to play I think that's right. I think the good things are uh, Torrey Pines itself has a blueprint and it stays within that blueprint. The USGA for the last four or five years also has a blueprint and they stay within that blueprint. I don't think we're getting any surprises this week. I don't think it's going to play drastically different than, than the way that we expect. It's going to be firm, fast, and thick, rough. I think they will consider, uh, the USGA that is, will consider what happened at Wingsfoot, which is essentially the fairways were too narrow and everyone was playing out of the rough and that's why Bryce and DeChambeau goes out and wins it by a handful of shots. I think they'll avoid that potential disaster again at Torrey Pines. I think the fairways are going to be a little bit easier to hit, and, and I think it's going to be very competitive and, and play exactly kind of how we expect it to. Hey, Rick, I noticed on Golf Digest, you and I have the same top play this week. Talk about that in a minute. First, I want to hit on the uh, Brooks-Bryson rivalry. And uh, do you think this is good for the game? You're talking about a two-time winner of the U.S. Open, the defending champ, both at short prices here. Which one would you like? They're both in the uh, 16 to 18 to 1 range. Who do you think is going to play better this week, Brooks or Bryson? Yeah, I think it is certainly good for the game. Anytime we're spending more oxygen talking about it, anytime golf becomes more of a national sports story instead of just a golf story, that's good for the game. It's the only sport that really doesn't have rivalries. I think it's okay to inject a little bit of that. And uh, I'm looking a bit... Uh, if you have to decide between one of these two guys, I think it's Brooks Kepka for me. I know that Bryson is kind of designed to extract the ball out of that thick Kakuya rough, but he has not putted well on pure Poana greens over the course of his career. He's kind of just a little bit off. And if we want to discuss the miscut in South Carolina last week for Brooks Kepka, that was about as good of a miscut as you could have asked for. He gained strokes both off the tee and on approach. It was the short game that let him down. I think he was more than happy to hit the ball well for two days and then get on a plane and head to Torrey Pines and try to try to add another major to his resume. So I think that Brooks is certainly on the very short list of golfers who uh, set up very well 
for USGA events. Rick, so often over the years, we see the shorter, straighter hitters contend and even win U.S. Opens. You've got Lee Jansen, Jim Furyk, Payne Stewart, Webb Simpson. Do you give some of these types of players a shot on this beast of a golf course this year? In short, no. Uh, I think that, you know, they, they will make the fairways wider because of what happened at Wingfoot. But the issue is, even if you are still playing out of the fairway and you are a Brendan Todd or a Kevin Kisner, uh, you're going to be hitting some long approach shots. And when you start hitting longer approach shots, your dispersion goes up. And if you are greenside off the green at Torrey and you're playing out of that Kakuya rough, I mean, it is it's devastating. This this strain of grass is so thick and so hardy, and you are at the mercy of whatever lie you are going to get. That's when it starts to become an issue. So if you are a shorter hitter, you better have a spectacular short game because you're going to be using it uh, quite a bit during this national championship. So, Rick, then we'll transition to some longer hitters and guys that are always near the top in terms of strophing off the tee and John Rahm, our tournament favorite, 10 to 1, 11 to 1, depending on your shop, of course, comes out from the uh, COVID quarantine after he had to withdraw from the memorial after leading by six after round three. And then, of course, there's the number one player in the world, Dustin Johnson. Last week was his first top 10 since Rick. Riviera, obviously some parallels there between Riviera and Torrey Pines with the Kikuya grass. What's your outlook for these two guys? Rom being the favorite and then DJ's drifted a little bit down the board, not a big drift when you're number one in the world, about 16, 18 to one. Yeah, we'll start with Dustin Johnson. He certainly doesn't elicit a whole lot of confidence this week, especially after what we saw in South Carolina, which was okay against a really weak field and then going back even further he hasn't been up to his lofty standards I think the good news for Dustin Johnson is the skill set is perfect for a, a U.S. Open and and nobody has a shorter memory than he does and and John Rahm uh, this is almost scary right it's almost too good to be true that always makes me a little bit nervous you have a golfer who uh, has gained strokes off the tee in every single event of this season and last season it's an absolutely bonkers stretch of golf that he is on he is coming off uh, one of the most torrid paces that we've ever seen with that those three rounds at, at Muirfield Village and then to encapsulate all of that by going back to Torrey Pines, a place that he has absolutely dominated. There, there's really no negatives outside maybe betting the short number on Rom that you're able to get because golf-wise, he is an absolutely perfect fit. All right. Uh, Colin Morikawa, by the way, is the uh, the common selection that you and I have, Rick. But let's talk about Tony Finau and Xander Shoffley, two popular uh, players and Finau's had a lot of success in the Farmers Insurance Open. In fact, I've got him for four top sixes in recent years. Uh, X had a second place in January, even though he doesn't have positive course history at Torrey in his backyard in San Diego. Uh, are you a buyer on either Finau or Shoffley this week? And I would say they're in the 16 to 25 to 1 range. Yeah, I'm generally a seller on Xander Shoffley. That number is uh, too short for me for a guy who doesn't win as much as he should. And you're absolutely right. Outside of the T2 in January, his record at Torrey Pines is pretty horrible. Now, uh, not to say he can't go out there and play well and finish inside the top 20, but I need to see a bit of a more, uh, a better pedigree if I'm going to bet a number that short at a major championship. And, and Tony Finau is interesting. We all know the story. It's all about top 10s. He doesn't have enough victories. So it's also hard to bet him for an outright as well, but I'd prefer to bet Tony Finau, believe it or not, than Xander Shoffley because of how good he has been 
at Torrey Pines. He played well at Riviera earlier this year. He lost in a playoff to Max Homa. That's another West Coast course, tough course with a strong field, Poana Greens. That's a really strong comp for me, and he played well just a few months ago. Rick, what about a sleeper or two this week? Anybody deeper down the board, maybe even in the neighborhood of triple-digit odds that you could uh, see going well here or maybe would be a good player to use in a DFS lineup? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm pretty laser-focused on Sam Burns. He's hovering hmm. 80, 100, 110, depending on where you are looking. When we played at, at the Farmers Insurance Open in January, Sam Burns was in the final group on Sunday. Now he shot a 75 and played himself out of it, but I think that his result was much better than the final position dictated. And since that start, he's actually gone on and won on the PGA Tour. He probably should have won twice more, and he is long enough and straight enough uh, to really make some noise this week. And then I'll give you one more, and it's even it's even much deeper than that. It's it's Brendan Steele. Uh, Steele has not missed a cut here in 2021 to this point. He is generally long-term a great ball striker, but he started to fix the putting recently. If he can marry his short-term putting with his longer-term ball striking, I think he can make noise at, at Torrey Pines this week. Rick, from a matchup standpoint, anybody you're looking to kind of pick on this week and, and fade maybe some of those guys we were talking about that are approach demons, but not necessarily big hitters on what's going to be about 7,700 yards with really thick air at Torrey Pines? The guy that worries me is actually Justin Thomas. It hurts me to say I love JT, but I'm worried about the longest club in his bag and the shortest club in his bag. His driver is kind of inaccurate. He sprays it all over. He's outside the top 150 in driving accuracy. And we've been talking about how thick that Kakuya rough is and how devastating it is. Essentially a half a shot penalty if you're hitting the ball into the rough. And then the putter, this is always such a huge question mark for him. He, he's capable of losing five, six, seven strokes on the greens over the course of a week. And when you get on very tricky Poana greens that he has not seen since 2015, the last time he played at the Farmers Insurance Open, I think he just kind of lacks the putting uh, the putting ability and the experience around Torrey Pines to really get me excited this week. Yeah, typically I like JT, and I know a lot of people like Spieth, but I was thinking those might be two guys you look to fade this week because they're a little bit wild off the tee, and you don't, don't want to find the rough at Torrey Pines uh, this week. Colin Morikawa, I think, is a guy known for his accuracy, his iron plays, as good as it gets. Now, uh, Rick, I had him a couple weeks ago. He lost to Brady's guy, Patrick Cantlay, in a playoff. John Rahm should have won that tournament. Uh, but what do you like about uh, Colin this week? He's the uh, 2020 PGA champ up the coast in San Francisco. Yeah, almost almost everything. He is absolutely phenomenal from tee to green. No matter no matter how you want to slice the metrics, uh, you know, last 12 rounds, 24, 36, he is one of the best tee to green players that we have on planet Earth. And the question is going to be the putter. But gentlemen, the question's always been the putter. And here we are four wins later in his career. He already has a major championship on the resume. He's been able to putt well enough to figure it out. He's got two more playoff losses. I mean, this guy could very easily have six victories already. And I want a prolific winner, a guy that has major championship experience, a guy that is not going to melt underneath the circumstances. And Colin Morikawa certainly checks off all the boxes for me this week. He is Rick Gaiman. You can follow him on Twitter. 
Twitter at Rick Run Good. And Rick, I want to talk about another golfer that seems to be under the radar that nobody's talking about. He's a former U.S. Open winner. And if you look at his statistics, he really flies off the page. And that's Webb Simpson. Now, he had to withdraw from the Wells Fargo, uh, kind of his home tournament there. He's a member at Quail Hollow, and he was very disappointed, had uh, pain in his neck that he had to pull out of the tournament. And we haven't seen him since the PGA Championship, where he played pretty well. But if you look at how this guy, we kind of put him in that category of a shorter hitter and whatnot, but he played very well at Beth Page Black, played, uh, played very well at Winged Foot, finished eighth there in 2020 in that U.S. Open. I mean, he's really been great in especially that major and even has played well the last couple of years at Augusta, which I think is a course that kind of correlates a little bit to Torrey Pines. What are your thoughts on Webb Simpson? I saw him at 50 to one and I saw him take some hits here in town down to 40 to one now. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Augusta National. The November version, that was a wet, soggy Augusta National. <laughs> he should not have been able to finish on the first page of the leaderboard there. So I think we are now past the point of saying these are the five or six courses a year that Webb Simpson is going to excel on. I think we're I think we're path because the truth of the matter is when those guys step off the tee box Webb Simpson is one of the best players on the PGA Tour I'm talking from fairway through green because his approach is so strong his short game is great and he has the ability to get scorching hot with the putter so I I'm with you I'm generally a buyer on Webb Simpson especially when we see numbers this long on him he's a proven winner a major champion and there is no course that he cannot play well on anymore Rick, got about 90 seconds left. I know you were very high on Colin Marikawa, so let's go ahead and put him in the foursome and reserve a spot for the defending PGA champion. But if you've got a foursome this week in terms of outrights, who's in that group for you? Yeah, so I'll spread it out. I'll go Brooks Kepka down lower at the board, match him up with Colin Morikawa. I'll give you one guy in the middle. It's Shane Lowry. It is about to defend his Open Championship title from two years ago. He'll do that next month. He's been piling up great results at very difficult courses on the PGA Tour. We just saw him finish inside the top 10 at the PGA Championship. He's playing great right now. And then I am going to round it out with my guy. I'm going to round it out with Sam Burns. This gives me an opportunity to create a, a well-balanced card with a couple of real high upside win equity golfers, a, a guy in the middle who's playing well, striking it, and then Sam Burns, of course, rounds it out as a guy who uh, certainly has all the skills in the world to win this golf tournament and really any tournament on the PGA Tour. Great stuff, Rick. Thank you so much for joining us here on Long Shots, and enjoy the U.S. Open, my friend. Thank you, guys. All right, that is Rick Gaiman. Again, check him out at rickrungood.com and follow him on Twitter at rickrungood. And you were looking at that Golf Digest panel. He landed on Morikawa. You've got Morikawa in pocket as well? Yeah, I had somebody asked me the other day, if you could bet one player, just one guy to win this tournament, who would it be regardless of the odds? And I said Morikawa. And, uh, you know, he's a 25 to 1. I like the price as well. Wes, I thought he brought up a good guy that you can put in a DFS lineup or maybe even a long shot or a top 20, that type of thing. Brandon Steele. Mm -hmm. He is always really good in total driving. And I think that's one of the most important stats here at Torrey Pines. Yeah, absolutely. And he starts off the year. He's kind of a West Coast specialist, yes. Brady. He wins uh, in Hawaii, always plays well at the Bob Hope, all the California events. Of course, he is based 
out there. So uh, Brendan Manisteel, certainly a guy you could look at the top 20, top 30 if you have a draft gains, top 40. I think he's a guy that definitely makes a cut. I almost went to Kepka, but I did not add him <laughs> to my card. I was grinding hard on Kepka and a couple other guys yesterday. I did not add Kepka, but I am on Shane Lowry, so we match up on that one. I was able to get Lowry at 80 to 1. He's now going off at about 50 to 1. We'll see if he continues his hot play on tough, long, difficult golf courses, the Irishman, and the defending open champion, Shane Lowry. We're just getting started here on Long Shots. Next up, we continue the member guest segment with Nick Bogdanovich right here on VSIN. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Because it is a major championship, we up the ante and we bring two guests onto the program. We like to have a voice from both sides of the counter. Of course, we just had Rick Gaiman from the handicapper side. And now we bring in Nick Bogdanovich from the other side of the counter. He is the director of trading at William Hill U.S. And Nick, thank you for joining us. And before I get into the analysis of your side of the window... You've played Torrey Pines before, and I want to know about this golf course and your experience there. Are you throwing out all the shorter, straighter hitters this week, uh, Nick, and you figure it's going to be a, a bomber's paradise here in La Jolla, California? No, I don't think you can. Uh, I think we've seen over the course of the last year that you can't, you can't throw out the shorter, straighter hitters for sure. Uh, now, if the bombers hit it straight, uh, for a high percentage, and yeah, big advantage to the bombers. But the, no, you can't discount the this 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 you know the shorter straighter hitters, the Abraham answers, the Webb Simpsons, the Joaquin Neiman's, those type of players. I, I don't think you can get rid of them at all. So, Nick, uh, before we get to your opinions, which I'm curious to see who you like this week, but what are the betters at William Hill so far saying in terms of who's getting hit, uh, in terms of maybe money volume or ticket volume? What are you seeing here at William Hill? Let's put it this way. If Phil Mickelson wins, I'll be out of a job again. <laughs> uh, seven figures worth of liability already and mounting. Uh, he is just... He's got the most tickets by far, second most money. Uh, most tickets is Phil, Kepka, and Rom in that order, and most money is Kepka, Phil, and Rom. So those are the three drawing the most action. But yeah, the Phil liability is off the charts. I mean, obviously he was the story of the year at the PGA, but now he's gone home. He's going home to try to get the career grand slam on a course he's played a thousand times. He was there prepping last week. He's got a spring in his step, a big smile on his face. People think he can do it, and if he does, it's going to be a, a big a, a big blow to the books, that's for sure. It would be like Black Sunday for the books if Phil wins uh, the U.S. Open. Uh, Brady, not only did Nick play Torrey Pines, I think he briefly held the course record. Yeah, briefly, yeah, briefly. after the first hole. <laughs> he eagled it. Uh, Nick, yeah, you uh, – we went, we went down there just so we knew they were playing the open there this year. So we won. I wanted to, we, we went a week after the farmers and it was absolutely incredible shape. Uh, but you know, that was in February. Now it's June. It's going to be warm. The fairways fast greens firm and the rough a mile high. So it's going to be a, a different course, but you know, I'm familiar with the, the holes, so it'll be pretty cool watching it on TV. Well, that's a good segue because last year you called Colin Morikawa to win the uh, PGA. That was last summer. Can you compare these two courses, Harding Park and Torrey Pines? You've got a coastal California location, long courses, similar putting surfaces. Would you go back and call Colin, uh, Colin Morikawa one more time this week in the U.S. Open? I certainly wouldn't discount him. Uh, I mean, he's awful good. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a ball striker. They're going to – the par fours are really long, so he's going to be hitting some long irons in there. So, uh, you know, that club might help uh, make a few strokes up for him. And, yeah, it's similar. I mean, you know, let's face it, the grass is, is, is that type of grass, and the greens are poe. So, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't discount more cow. I don't like the fact that he's like 20. Three and he's changing his putting stroke already. I don't, I don't like that, but you know he's he's just a stud. That's all there is to it. 
Nick, you alluded to it there, talking about your experience at Torrey Pines playing the course in February. When you handicapped this event, not as a bookmaker, but I know you like to bet on golf as well. You do a lot of head-to-head matchups and whatnot. Did you use some of the history of the Farmers Insurance Open, or did you kind of make this a whole new track when you put together your plays? I think it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, you know, people who like playing on that type of grass do. The sight lines are, are the same, but yeah, but you know, like I said earlier, it's the, the greens are going to be firmer, fairways are going to be faster. Uh, so it's sort of somewhere in the middle. Uh, I think, yeah, dead in the middle. I, I, but I, I do would like to find uh, people have played that course well at the farmers and then start start weeding them out. So I, I think it's somewhere in the middle, Brady. All right, what did you shoot that day in February at Torrey Pines South? I played well. I mean, I literally got up and down out of six bunkers. Uh, I think I shot like 84, uh, but didn't play from the tips, and the rough wasn't way up. So, and we were in a golf cart, and we weren't walking. And that that truck's quite a walk. But I, I had a good day that day. All right, sounds very good. We'll hold you over here for another segment, and we'll dive deeper into some of the guys you did land on for the 121st edition of the U.S. Open. I know it's Nick's favorite major of the four, so we always have him on for this championship. We'll be right back with more from Nick Bogdanovich here on Long Shots. Welcome back to Long Shots. Brady Cannon, Wes Reynolds, and Matt Humans with you. And we are joined by Nick Bogdanovich, the director of trading at William Hill U.S. And thank you for sticking around, Nick. We were talking about your affinity for the head-to-head matchups in all golf tournaments, and especially the majors where you've had success. About those head-to-head matchups, is there any that you've landed on so far or you're considering playing? And, you know, upon that, are, are you fading anybody in particular? Are there some players in your mind that you think will struggle at this beast of a golf course this week? Yeah, let's go to the matchups first. There's a few around on the screen that uh, I sort of haven't landed on yet, but we'll probably get around to. Like Hoffman, the local kid, uh, Charlie Hoffman's had a great year. I like him over Gary Woodland in a matchup, laying about $1.40. Uh, I like Brandon Grace. He's just good form. I'm a big uh, current form guy. Grace is playing at lights out right now. I like him against the youngster South African Bazudenite. Uh, I think that's about even money. And, and, and speaking of fading, I just got a fade Phil. I just can't see how he turns in two big performances in a row. I was, so I like Adam Scott a little over Phil, like at minus a dollar forty. So, and there's a bunch more. I mean, there's literally hundreds of matchups anywhere you look. But those are three that I uh, caught my eye right out of the gate. So, Nick, I don't know if you're on any of the low price guys. I know you like to at least start in the middle of the board and get those 40, 50, 60 ones and above. Uh, who did you land on this week for any outrights? Yeah, yeah. Of the lower price guys, I guess I'd have to go to Xander Shoffley. I mean, he plays so good in the open, 
sort of a local kid, so he likes the grass, the weather. His, his open record's very, very good. So if you're looking in the 20 to 1 area, I like the X-Man. Uh, but like you said, I like to go deeper for long shots just to win the tournament. Uh, I think Kokrak uh, playing lights out, if he drives it like uh, the week that Matt Humans had him to win the tournament, I think Kokrak will be there come Sunday. Uh, Sam Burns, I mean, you, you know, he's had a phenomenal run. The last three, four weeks, he's, you know, a little WD and a miscut and a little things. But I think, he, I think he'll be back and ready to go. And if he's on, uh, he's every bit as good as those 20 to 25 to one shot. So I guess Kokrak and Sam Burns in the flyer range. That's interesting. You talked about Shoffley. He's got uh, top 10 finishes in eight of his 16 career majors. That's pretty impressive. He's also been in four U.S. Opens and finished no worse than sixth. You know, but he has not cracked the winner's circle, obviously, in a major and, and for quite a while. But I, I always talk about this. A lot of times we focus on the negatives and uh, near misses and guys who don't close a deal. You know, Phil Mickelson did not win a major until he was 33 years right, old, right. right? And so a lot of these guys are still very young in their golf career. Uh, Nick, how about when you're talking to long shots, I know you love long shots on the board. Uh, what's the biggest bet you took on a, uh, on a guy way down the board at, at the William Hill books. Like last night I was going through one of the local apps and I found Ches Reby at 500 to 1. I just put a small bet on him at 500 to 1. But do you see any uh, significant bets, like $100, $200 bets on those guys at triple digits? Or people mostly play really small uh, bets on those long shots? They do. Fairly small bets on the long shots. The only things uh, of major note is Phil's the only one where Phil – I mean, I, like I said, we lose seven figures. With Kokrak, we lose a small six figures. But, but as far as anyone longer than that, we're, we don't have any liability whatsoever. Where they are going too strong is that middle range Super Bowl from the 20 to 30 range. We lose with Kepka. We lose with uh, the X-Man. We lose with Finau. We lose with Patrick Reed. So they're really zeroing in on that 25 to 1 range, those golfers who've proven it time and time again. So we're, if a flyer comes in this week, we'll probably scoop the pot. Did you take any flyers yourself? I, you know, you have an affinity for these long bombs, and I know you mentioned Kokrak and Burns. They're in the neighborhood of maybe 50, 60 to 1. Did you get anybody in your pocket yourself that's triple digits? No, not at all. Just oh, well, Burns was 100, so Kokrak at 85 and Burns at 100. I didn't go. I didn't go any deeper. I didn't go like Matt with Chez Reeve. Uh, you know, uh, lots of times I like taking three, 300 to one, 500 to one shots. But this week I, I, I eliminated those guys. Yeah, Ricky Fowler was uh, 190 to one in the uh, PGA. Wes, and uh, I was going through some long shots the night before the tournament, and I said 190 to 1 on Fowler. This guy not too long ago was like 30 to 1. Uh, so I played him for a small bet, and he was top five. Ricky Fowler yeah. played well. Uh, Ricky Fowler is not going to be in the tournament this week at the U.S. Open, but a guy that uh, is very popular with the public, Nick, is Tony Finau. As a bookmaker, do you laugh when people bet Finau on the futures, or do you think this guy's got a legitimate shot to break through and win one of these? Yeah, I think he, and, and then this week could be the week. He, he, he likes this track, and he's super long. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like. I think Finau's live this week. And going back to Fowler, I was hoping they'd give uh, Fowler Phil's uh, special exemption, get him in there. He's great for golf and very popular. Why not 
you know, strengthen the field even more. So I wouldn't have a problem with that. I know, I know the uh, the purists probably would have would have not liked that one, but I wouldn't have minded it. Nick, we know usually class players obviously win the U.S. Open in terms of being ranked in the top 20 or top 30 in the world. But is there anybody kind of in that short range, maybe from the teens to like the 20s or low 20s, that betters at William Hill are kind of lukewarm on, maybe drifting? Nobody's really interested in these guys. Uh, You can go from John Rahm to the top all the way down to the mid-20s guys. Yeah, no, John Rahm, uh, he's top three in tickets and money. But right after that, Rory getting no love whatsoever, DJ getting no love, JT getting no love, DeChambeau not getting any love, <laughs> Jordan Spieth, Hideki Matsuyama, Terrell Hatton, Webb Simpson, Berger, none of those guys are getting any respect at all. So, uh, you know, the, like I said, that little group of guys, Kepka, Morikawa, Finau, Reed, Hovland, those guys are drawing the money. Well, I tell you what, I would not mind if Webb Simpson got it done. Uh, I do have a ticket on him in pocket. Real quick, Nick, we've got about 30 seconds left. I'm not going to ask you to just pick one guy, but how about a foursome? Who's your top foursome for the outright market to win this thing? Top four would be, if I had to pick four, and if I didn't get one of the four in, they'd electrocute me. I would go with, <laughs> I would go with the X-Man, John Rom. And then two guys from the outside, uh, Tony Finau and Will Zalatoris. Oh, Willie Z makes the show. Top 10 Tony, too. The first mention of Mr. Zalatoris, and he has some history. Grew up in San Francisco. He's familiar with this Poana putting surface. Great stuff, Nick. Always good to talk to you. Enjoy the U.S. Open, my friend. Have a great one, guys. All right, that is Nick Bogdanovich. We'll be back. It's time to give out our plays for the United States Open coming up this week at Torrey Pines Golf Course. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if... no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Long Shots here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. Brady Cannon, Wes Reynolds, and Matt Humans with you. That time of the program, the match play segment, where we get to all of our plays for the tournament of the week. Of course, that is the U.S. Open down in Southern California. And we're going to start with the man of the hour, red-hot Matt Humans, who's hit six outright winners this season. Matt, who are you on this week? Two of the last three weeks, Brady. It would have been three in a row, but you beat me with Patrick Cantlay <laughs> in the playoff two weeks ago when I had Colin Morikawa. He's going to be on my card. By the way, did you see, if you get a chance, look up Garrick Higo and his uh, link to when he played golf at UNLV, the bio. The photo of him in there, he looks like he's young enough to be Wes's nephew or his son. He looks like, in the UNLV team photo, the guy looks like he's 10 years old. But it's a really cool story how he won in just his second start on the PGA Tour. A lot of guys, you know, two, three years later, we're talking about when's this guy going to win? Higo gets it in his second PGA start. All right, Colin Morikawa has been another young gun who's uh, had a lot of success early in his career. He won the PGA last year. He's my top, he's my top play this week. 25 to 1. That's a better price than I thought I was going to get on Morikawa. A little bit surprised. I actually think uh, you might even find slightly better than that at Circus Sports today, the way Jeff Davis adjusts those constantly. Uh, Morikawa, what I like about him, I think accuracy is going to be a big deal here at Torrey Pines. You got to avoid the rough. And that's why I think Bryson DeChambeau is going to find trouble. Guys like JT and Jordan Spieth might find some trouble off the tee. Uh, Morikawa, if he can play fairways and greens, has got a great shot because he's his iron play is as good as it gets. And he also he ranks first on the PGA Tour in greens and regulation percentage at about 72%. He also strokes gain tee to green, 1.96. He's first on the PGA Tour. A lot of things about Morikawa I like. He's in pretty good form as well. And uh, Brady, as, you, as you've uh, mentioned before, he just won up to California coast on a similar course Last year, we got his first major win, so he's not going to be intimidated by the stage. I think Morikawa is a good play this week at 25-1. to 1. Uh, I went ahead and bet Xander Shoffley. I, I kind of feel like I've donated more money on Shoffley than Mackenzie Scott's donated in the past uh, year or so. But Shoffley won for me a few times early in his career. He's in a drought. He's going he's gonna to break out of it eventually. you got peaks and valleys. In, uh, in your career, and Shoffley's knocking on the door. One of these days, he's going to knock it down. 16-1 to is not a great price, but 
Uh, I've, I've got Shoffley on a couple other tickets as well, including that top 10 you see there at plus 160. Uh, there are so many things about Shoffley that I think are positives. And I talked about his worst finish in four U.S. Opens is sixth. That's insane. You got to figure he has confidence coming into yeah. this event, too, because he finally finished second at this course where he's really struggled. You know, not only did he finish second at Torrey Pines in January, uh, on three rounds on the south course, he was one stroke better than Patrick Reed, who was mm. the eventual winner of the tournament. So he played really well on the south course in January. Also, Brooks Kepka. I just can't turn down this price. I initially didn't think Kepka was going to be on my card. But when he gets as high as 19 to 1, and a guy, you look at, if you look at cumulative scores in the majors in the past four years, he crushes a competition. He gets up for the big tournaments, the majors. Kepka at 19 to 1, I had to play it. Uh, Tony Finau, not a big play, but uh, like Wes always says, if Finau wins and you don't have that ticket in your pocket, <laughs> you're never going to forget it and you're always going to regret it. So I, I did play Finau at 30 to 1. Also, um, a couple other longer shots. Joaquin Neiman, I've been chasing him since the Tournament of Champions in Maui in January when I had him at 40 to 1, and he missed an eight foot putt that could have won the tournament. Uh, Neiman, I've got at 75 to 1. Adam Scott. I, I had to chuckle. You went back to this. <laughs> one more you, time. <laughs> one more time. It's just like when you say bartender, I'll take one more. And then you drink 10 more. But Adam Scott, I'm going to do it one more time. 95 to 1. Uh, he, he's got a positive course history here he at Torrey Pines as well. It would, it's not going to stun me if he's up. Wes, I think he was up near the top of the leaderboard in January, wasn't he? And he, he missed a bunch yeah. of three-foot putts. Yeah. <laughs> His putter uh, failed him. Ches Reby is kind of my uh, play out of nowhere here. What I like about Reby is I was at the uh, U.S. Open at Pebble Beach two years ago, and I kind of followed his group, and I loved the way he was hitting the ball that week. Uh, Reeve actually tied for third at Pebble Beach, yeah. and he's got the hot hand right now. He's playing really well. So I bet Ches Reeve at 501. That's not a big bet. To be honest, I put 15 bucks on it to win 7,500. There so, you go. <laughs> I don't think he's going to win. nothing wrong with the payout, man. I don't think he's going to win, but I also bet Reeve top 10 at 20 to 1 odds. So uh, if he's up on the leaderboard, I can get something out of that. So I got Morikawa top 10 at plus 250, Shoffley top 10. Plus 160. Ches Reeve, top 10, 20 to 1. Tony Finau, I decided to play him instead of top 10. I decided to play him top 20 at plus 105. I've got Kepka, even money over DeChambeau, head to head. And Mickelson over Westwood. I don't expect great things out of Phil this week, but he is focused. You see, he turned off his phone, turned off Twitter. I'm not sure Wes could ever do that. And he, <laughs> oh, I can do it, believe okay. me. He's fully focused on the tournament this week. And Lee Westwood just spent a week in Vegas mm -hmm. getting married. Probably one of the worst decisions you could ever make. <laughs> and you got to wonder about his focus this week. So I'm going to play Mickelson over Westwood head-to-head. -head. All right, very good. Uh, you and I certainly match up on a couple of those. I am on Tony Finau as well. I almost got to Kepka, but I couldn't pull, mm -hmm. couldn't pull the trigger. Wes, let's get to your plays for this okay, week. Okay, I'm rarely on the tournament favorite, and I always bust you guys if you guys are. So you can go ahead and bust me this week. John Rahm, 11-1. Look. He had to withdraw from the Memorial, but that was a field that had 11 of the top 15 players in the world. And he and he laid it down and he laid the smack down on those guys. So I also think he's got a little fire up his keister a little bit, too, because we live in <laughs> well, we live in this environment now where it's like kill first, ask questions later. They're like, why aren't you vaccinated? And it turns out he had had his first dose of the vaccine. And obviously that little detail doesn't come out until today because everybody had always rushed to judgment. So I think he might be a little 
little ticked off at people for what they did. By the way, first uh, win he ever had as a professional was right here at Torrey Pines yes. in 2017 yep. at the Farmers Insurance Open with that 60-foot eagle. Dustin Johnson, I'm going to try to buy on the drift like I did last year at the Travelers, although that was a bigger price. First top 10 he's had since February at Riviera. And I also just think that he doesn't really have good forms at Torrey Pines, which is why he's drifted up because of the fact that he's usually coming back from the Middle East. Keep in mind, in January, usually plays in Saudi Arabia or Dubai and Abu Dhabi. So he always has that week where he right. kind of throws a real bad tournament. It's more often than not at Torrey Pines. Usually his money at Pebble Beach or at Riviera. So DJ 18 to 1, Xander Schauffele for the same reasons Matt mentioned, 20 to 1. Never finished outside the top six in four U.S. Open appearances. Chase Matsuyama down a little bit on Sunday and then put one in the drink, and that ended his hopes again. But first in scrambling earlier this year at Torrey Pines, so I think he can really gain around the greens a little bit. Tony Finau, 25-1, to nine major top tens in his last 13 appearances. Horse for the course here, if you look at his appearances here. Second this year, sixth, 13th, sixth, fourth, 18th, 24th. Never been out of the top 25 here at Torrey Pines, so I think he goes well. Victor Hovland, 28-1. to Prefers the West Coast seemingly to the other parts of the country. He was really the only one, if you remember, when Reed won this event going away by five strokes earlier this year at the Farmers. He was the only one to try to kind of go get Reed. Wasn't it at Pebble Beach, too, when he was an amateur that he played really well in the U.S. Open mm -hmm. there? This guy definitely, to your point about the West Coast, he seems to like the Poana. Yeah, he absolutely does. And and he's a guy that's a little shaky with the putter like Marikawa, too. But a lot of young players are. Scotty Scheffler, 54-1. to one. Tough to get your first win in a major, but I think he just might have the game to do it. Recall when everybody was talking about Rom, and obviously your playoff guys can't land Morikawa, who was third in that event. That was Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, had a so chance to win it, too. Very rare that you break your maiden, but he is first on the tour in total driving, and this is a week you got to be long and you got to be accurate. So Scotty Scheffler at 54, and then my two longer shots. Jason Kokrak, I'm going back to him like I had him at Colonial a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago, 66-1. to one. And also Max Homa was surprised to see him triple digits. Beat Finau in the playoff earlier this year at Riviera. Always puts well on POA on the West Coast. A Cal Berkeley kid, born and raised in California. So he has always played very well in these California events. So I was kind of surprised to see him at 110. You know, I actually thought about Kokrak and Max Homa, too. I might add Max Homa at some point. Uh, Wes, before you get to your matchups quickly, I'm really surprised you don't have Patrick Reed and you don't have uh, – uh, Pat, Patrick Cantley on your card. No, not this week. Okay. I, I just, and, and look, there's a lot of guys I respect that like both of those players. And Reed certainly was great in terms of his strokes gained around the green. I think he was first in the field. So that's how Patrick Reed does it. He doesn't really hit it great, not really deadly accurate, not really long, but he seems to make every putt when it matters. Your head-to-head -head matchups there, you're uh, also going against Lee Westwood, and I see that your oppo, Matt, you've taken DeChambeau over Kepka. Wow. Matt went the other way with Kepka over DeChambeau. We have a little feud right here in the yeah, studio. I took the heel here, I guess, depending on how you look at it with Bryson DeChambeau. Of course, it comes out that he didn't really want to do the usga doesn't usually do those groups with the u.s open champion but everybody wanted brooks and bryson together and it seems like it kind of leaked out bryson didn't want any part of that so uh i'm glad they didn't do it this yeah. is a major championship yeah you don't those need guys, a sideshow no they they do not we'll you know, get by the way quick note bryson dechambeau has been in a three-month slump not too many people have noticed it but he's got only two top 35s in the past three months 
All right. I am not on Bryson DeChambeau this week, and Nick Bogdanovich said not a lot of people are at William Hill either. And I talked about, you know, deciding if I wanted to put Kepka on the card. I landed on Cantley. It was between Kepka and Cantley. And I don't necessarily like to bet a guy just off of a win. Sometimes you need to kind of cool off off of that. But Cantley, with the California history, how well he did at Pebble Beach and how hot he was on the West Coast, how well he did at the American Express, I'm hoping that California form returns this week. I bet him at 26 to 1. I am on Rom as well, Wes. I think there's something to your story there that this guy is ticked off about what happened to him. There's not many people better in the world, period, as a golfer or at Torrey Pines Golf Course. I'm with you guys on Shoffley. Uh, I, I think that second place in January gives him a lot of confidence. Tony Finau, I'm in that camp as well. Shane Lau. Uh, Nick, Rick Gaiman and I both land on him. Charlie Hoffman uh, really got a great number on him at 150 to 1. Probably the best year of his career. I did go with Westwood as one of my long shots. I think maybe he's inspired. You remember, this guy made the turn in 2008 as the leader before Tiger Woods took that U.S. Open many years ago. And then also Webb Simpson. I have a good feeling about Webb Simpson, one of my stronger picks, I think, for the United States Open. Hope you enjoyed long shots next week. It's the Travelers Channel. Championship and Chris Felica of ESPN will join us to break it down. Enjoy the U.S. Open, everybody. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.